Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. Have another bonus Friday edition of the show for all of you listeners today. And I'd be lying if I said there wasn't an ulterior motive because the plan for today's show is to give all of you listeners just a bit of a sneak peek, a little taste of the sort of content you can get if you become a Crack Rackets Patreon member. Now, twice a week for our CR Patreon family, I record match of the day segments where I talk about the matches I am watching most closely on any given day in the tennis world and certainly as tennis fans we all feel the stress of trying to keep up with all of the action it's not just the ATP and WTA tour level events where by the way there are four of them this week good luck watching event uh, matches from four different tournaments good luck trying to catch every match it requires uh, a full-time occupation watching tennis thankfully I'm able to do that here at Crack Dragons because of our Patreon supporters, but you know, it's not just the ATP and WTA level action. There's ATP Challenger action, there's junior tennis, and of course, it's the home stretch of the 2021 college tennis season. Now, of course, we've tried to cover everything here at Cracked Records. If you need to catch up on this week's action in Barcelona, in Stuttgart, Istanbul, or Belgrade, go check out our mini break podcast. If you want to hear more about the Challenger or college games, you can scroll up on your GSP feed. Certainly check out the college tennis this podcast I did with Matt and Chris this week. I think all of you listeners will enjoy that. Two Challenger-centric pods, one from new CR contributor Damian Cuss, the other myself and David Gertler talking about the North American Challenger action. But of course, it's the home stretch of the college tennis season, and that means postseason conference tournaments. And on Friday, we've got one of my favorite rivalry matches in all of Division I men's college tennis, a battle for the SEC championship between two top six teams in the University of Tennessee and University of Florida. Now, what I want to do on today's podcast, set the scene for Friday's match for all of you listeners. I want to run through the records for both of these teams, talk about their best wins, best losses, their ranked players, who are you know the spots in their lineups that have been strongest, where are they most vulnerable, run a little match calculus, all of the fun things associated with a college tennis match. And again, I do these match of the days twice a week for our Cracked Rackets Patreon family. Sometimes it focuses on college tennis, sometimes it's challenger, sometimes it's ATP or WTA tour level, whatever it may be. If you are intrigued by that sort of content, you would like to become a member of our Cracked Rackets Patreon family, just go to our website, crackedrackets.com. You can find more about it there. Of course, 
shout out to that Patreon family who allowed us to update our equipment here at Crack Rackets headquarters. You no longer hear my peas popping uh, because I have a sound whatever it's called in front of my microphone now, that whatever it's called, courtesy of our Crack Rackets Patreon subscribers. So again, a huge shout out and thank you to them. And a reminder, the reason we're able to do these podcasts day in, day out here at Crack Rackets is because of the support we get from our Patreon family, from all of you listeners, and then of course here on the Great Shot Podcast in particular from our friends at Turn of Tennis. You guys know, Turn of Tennis, it's the only grip that gets tackier when you swept. It's performance in hot and humid conditions unmatched, and oh yeah, that iconic blue color trademarked by our friends at Turna Tennis. Now, if you would like to become a part of the Turna family, you can call or email them to get college pricing or free samples by emailing sales at uniquesports.com or calling 800-554-3707. Again, you'll get college pricing or free samples. If you mention that Crack Racket sent you, just email sales at uniquesports.com or call 800-554-3707. With that in mind, Let's talk about Friday's match of the day. And I'd be lying if I said I'm going to be watching Florida and Tennessee most closely because there are some spectacular professional-level quarterfinal matches happening on Friday. But certainly there will be no match I will be watching closer than this Florida-Tennessee battle because this has been one of my favorite rivalries over the past few seasons in men's college tennis. I want to break that rivalry down in depth a little bit later on the podcast. Let's start by talking about how these two teams have competed here in 2021. And we'll start with the number one ranked team by every metric here in this 2021 college tennis season, the University of Florida, who are ranked number one by the computer rankings, by the coaches rankings, by the USTA poll, and of course, most importantly, by our Cracked Rackets polls. You know, we can have ranking controversies about everything else, but it seems like everyone agrees right now the Florida Gators are the number one team in the nation, and it makes sense. Well, everyone but me, if you want to get in depth, but I'm not going to go behind the scenes of what our Cracked Rackets voting process is like. I will say they were not the number one team on my USTA ballot. That belongs to the University of Virginia. Anyways, I see the case for Florida, though, that I had them number two, and it's because they're 20-1 and overall here in this 2021 season. That one loss coming at the ITA kickoff weekend, 4-3 at Texas. Of course, we've learned since then, Texas up to number five in most of the polls has won so many 4-3 matches. That young, talented, longhorn team uh, clearly amongst the best in college tennis, and to lose 4-3 on the road certainly has appreciated in value, but this Florida team ran the gauntlet once again in the SEC 12-0 this season. They earn wins over Tennessee, Georgia, A&M, South Carolina, Kentucky, Mississippi State, all top 25 teams, right? They've actually beaten both A&M and Mississippi State twice now when you include the conference tournament. They also got a non-conference win over top 15 team in UCF. And at the time when the Gators dropped the doubles point and struggled, I think that was a 4-3 result. You thought to yourself, "Uh uh-oh, is this Florida team who lost Oliver Crawford, who was their number one singles player and either number one or two doubles player, is that loss going to be too dramatic for this Florida team to overcome? Are they going to be able to sort out between Inglitson, Greif, Goodger, Bicknell, and Shelton, who should be playing four, five, and six? And, you know, again, there were a lot of shaky results early in the season, but this Florida team has steadied the ship 
They haven't lost since the end of January. 20-1 and one speaks for itself, and you look overall for them. They've got five different players ranked in singles, and it's funny because their top three singles players, Vale, who's the number one singles player, number three in the country, Riffis, number two singles, number six in the country, Andrade, number three, number 14 in the country. I don't think that's the strength of their lineup. And neither do the statistics. It's, you know, Josh Goodger and Blaze Bicknell. Blaze Bicknell, number 56 in the country. He's primarily played the number four singles position for the Gators. He's undefeated at that number four singles position. You look for Bicknell on the season, 14-0 at number four, 28-0 overall. So, you know, we talked on this week's pod, and Chris Halioris at College Tennis Ranks was tweeting it out some of the undefeated duos. There's Kovacevic and Clark for Illinois. They still haven't lost a match here this season. There's, uh, of course, Tracy and Kingsley for Ohio State. There's Tran and, uh, Tran and Crawley for the UNC women. There's Blaze Bicknell who's 28-0, and then you've also got, uh, obviously undefeated, the other part of that duo, Josh Goodger, 18-0 thus far this season, 11-0 at the number six singles position. Those have been the rocks for the Gators. They're 20-1 at six singles overall, 18-3 at number four singles. They're 18-3 at number two, four, and five singles positions. Uh, again, that's been the heart of their lineup. And at one and three, Andrade and Vale, who, again, somehow individually ranked top 15 players or top 16 whatever players in the country they're 14 and 6 respectfully at those two positions Andrade 14 and 6 overall in dual matches Vale 14 and 6 has played every match at number one for the Gators this season that's not to say they're bad right you're winning 70 percent of your matches you're doing damn well but you know Bicknell Goodger haven't lost And that's why this team is number one, because you look for them in doubles. Yeah, they've got a couple of top 25 ranked teams in Riffis and Vale, Grant and Inglidson, but they're 14 and seven overall in doubles points this season. They've dropped doubles points to a wide variety of opponents, losses to USF, Arizona, Auburn, Vandy, Kentucky, Mississippi State, and A&M. Most concerningly, if you're Coach Brian Shelton, uh, Coach Tanner Stump, heading into postseason play, they've lost four of their last five doubles points. And certainly, you know, all of the teams as you get to the quarterfinals, semifinals, even this year, round of 16, uh, they can win four, anyone can win four singles matches or three singles matches, I should say, against anyone. Really, really difficult to win that fourth point. We talk about match calculus. We talk about are they one-point team, two-point team, three-point team, four-point team. Florida's a two-plus, considering Bicknell and Goodger are undefeated, and then they usually find two more, and they've got a bunch of different options to those two more. But you look at doubles, you know, they're 10 and 11 at the number one position. Riffis and Valle were 6 and 5. It's now Grant and Inglidson for them, who are 3 and 6. Now, they're 13 and 6 at the number two position, 13 and 5 at the number three position. They're fine. They're not great at doubles. They're fine. And that, you know, the problem is when you're playing the best of the best, is fine going to cut it? It's a good thing when you're saying, you know, 13 and 6, 13 and 5, and doubles is your position you're struggling at most. That speaks to the depth, the strength of this Gators singles lineup. Uh, But again, doubles point 
perhaps a vulnerability for the Gators. They're good at the top three. They're not the elite of the elite. If they go up against, you know, a, a UNC when it's, you know, uh, if if healthy, a Blumberg, Hijikata, Seguin, or if they go up against some of these other top teams, you know, Kukerman, Smith, Destanich, uh, who's not even a top-ranked team, but just for USC, like USC, despite the disparity in the ranking and their results this season, their top three can hang with Florida. It's that depth for Florida that's just been so dynamite this season. But of course, they're going to come up against a very tough opponent in Tennessee who might be the story, uh, you know, if Illinois, well, I guess I'm a little bit closer to Illinois because I've been clawing those matches. I would say they're similar stories. The success of Illinois, the success of Tennessee, they have reestablished themselves. And these are two teams going back to the 2010s, you know, uh, Illinois uh, with Hiltzik, Vukic, uh, Gosia, uh, obviously in the early 2000s, the Rom Anderson uh Chris Martin, uh, uh, I can't believe I haven't said Amir Delic yet. Those teams, Illinois, uh, you know, their place in, they now host NCAA events, their place in college tennis lore, pretty solidified. But for Tennessee, you had, you know, Tennis Angren, J.P. Smith, Ryan Williams. They had teams that were competing for national indoor titles, winning individual NCAA titles. Then they had a couple, not even down years, but just not top five, top ten years that they had had early in the decade. They're back this season. 23-3 23 and 3 overall, 10 and 2 in the SEC, 12 and 2 against top 25 teams, excluding one bad day at Arkansas. And by the way, most teams throughout any season are going to have one bad day and, you know, all of these SEC teams are tough and on that day Tennessee even took the doubles point, lost three set matches at four and five singles and, you know, actually got swept at the 3 through 6 singles position, shockingly to lose that match. Match, but outside of that, this team has been spectacular. 23-3 and three overall. Those three losses come at Florida, which you can understand. The Gators 20-1 and one, uh, and, you know, haven't lost a home match this season. Neither have the Volunteers. They lose at Arkansas. And then they lose to the National Indoor Champions UNC in that first National Indoor quarterfinal, a match in my opinion, Tennessee probably should have won. Don't say that too loudly, but they were up big in the doubles point, and respectfully, they just they blinked, and UNC was able to take that doubles, and because of that, they were able to get the three singles wins they needed. Walton won a first set over Blumberg. It was the first time Blumberg had been bageled in college tennis. It was unbelievable. Um And, I mean, Tennessee very well could have won that match and completely altered the dynamic of this college tennis season. But you look for them in the rankings. They're number five by the computer, number six by the coaches, number six by the USTA, number five by our cracked rackets polls, the wins they've gotten, a win over TCU, win over Texas, obviously all of the SEC wins. They've beaten everyone except Florida and Arkansas. I mean, this lineup has been damn good. And you look, the rankings reflect that fact. Both freshman Johannes Monday, who I would say unequivocally with his uh, record here this season, you look for Monday overall on the year. He is, and I don't want to get this wrong, 22-4 and four overall, 17-3 and three in singles. 
with all due respect to Doc Vaughn, with all due respect to Gustav Strom, J.J. Tracy, who really belongs in that conversation, in my opinion, Monday's been the best freshman here in this 2021 season because not only is he 22 and 4 in singles, you look for him in doubles, 15 and 7 overall. He's just been getting the job done. And again, Montez, Rodesh, Van der Schulenberg, they all, that freshman class at Virginia is the best freshman class. But I think individually, Monday's been the best freshman thus far. And he actually had a win over Riffis in the first matchup between these two teams. We'll get into that a little bit later. But you look at the rankings again. Monday's number 11, Adam Walton, who's played primarily at the number one singles position, 10 and 7 overall in the season, but has played so many three set matches, is always out there competing. It's never a quick loss for Tennessee at one and you know again with their depth that's the it's a luxury for them if they win one singles and Walton can certainly beat anyone on his best days he's number 13 Prada number 50 Hussey number 92 you would could argue the third best and most effective player on their team has been Luca Wiedemann 20 and 2 overall on the season that's the best dual match record in singles on the team he's primarily played at the four and five singles position although now lately up to number four where he's eight and one on the year that he's unranked I would argue he's the third best certainly third most effective on the roster uh, obviously they you know again that singles roster Four ranked players. One of them's not Wiedemann. They've struggled at the number six singles position, 24 and 13. Uh, excuse me, not 24 and 13. Let's see. Six, seven, 12, 13, and uh, seven for them on the year at that number six singles position, which again, compared to every other position, is the spot they've struggled at the most, is alleviated by the fact that that they have been very, very good in doubles. 21-5 and five overall on the year. Walton and Harper, their number one doubles team, number three in the country, justifiably so. That team has been outstanding. 14-6, and six, I believe, this year at that number one spot. Now, they've dropped five doubles points. They were Ole Miss... Uh, you know, they now two of the matches they dropped doubles points, they lost UNC and Florida. They lose doubles points in that matches. They lose both of those occasions. They also lost doubles points to Ole Miss, who are very, very good in, in doubles. San Cullen and Reynolds, one of the few teams in the country that's as good as that Harper Walton duo. Uh, they lost to Florida in doubles. We'll get back to that. Auburn and LSU. You look for the best spots for this team. They're also, I would say, two plus. They're probably going to get... Actually, I would argue this might even be a three team. They're probably... No, because 21 and 5 is really, really good. And again, in doubles this year, Monday, Prada, 11 and 7 overall. I believe at the number three position, it's primarily been Hussey and Walner, who 15 and... or 14 and 4 or something overall on the season. The thing is, when they get pressed, you know, that they lost doubles to both UNC and Florida, two of their three losses, uh, that's notable to me. I would say they're – and the thing is, as you play a higher level of competition, now that Wiedemann's up to number four singles, a little less so, I'd say they're two plus. I'd say they're usually going to get doubles. They're usually going to get Monday at the number two singles position. They're usually going to get Wiedemann as well at either four or five, and then they're able to find point number four. But I would say two – maybe two and a half plus because sometimes uh now yeah let's go with two and a half plus they're two and a half plus team again rock solid a lot of different pathways to finding four and both of these teams you know top six teams across the country it makes sense that they are competing for the conference championship it makes sense 
that both teams are well positioned to make deep runs in this 2021 postseason. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Okay, so now that we've set the scene, let's talk about their one matchup from this 2021 season, as well as set the scene for the broader Florida-Tennessee rivalry. Now, of course, those two SEC schools' rivals across the board, not just tennis, but in every sport, the two teams compete in, but especially in men's tennis of late, these two teams have had battles, and you got to go back to the last full season of college tennis we played, 2019. Florida, eventual national semifinalist, ran the gauntlet, undefeated SEC season, very similar to this year where they kind of struggled early in. The, well, they didn't really struggle in the year, but hit their stride come conference play and, you know, again, looked poised to make deep runs in the uh, SEC tur- in the SEC and NCAA tournaments. You look for Florida that year. It was a testy 5-2 win for them at Tennessee on that day. Tennessee took the doubles point, and then they got a straight set win from Walton over Andrade at the number two singles position. It took three set wins from uh, Lucas Greif and Johannes Inglinson, who finished pretty simultaneously for the Gators to clinch the victory over the Volunteers. And then from there, they played twice in the span of about three weeks in the conference tournament and NCAA tournaments. Tennessee went to Florida after Florida had that undefeated regular season, wanted to win that SEC tournament on home soil. Volunteers knock off the Gators on that occasion. Florida drops the doubles point once again. It looked like they were in commanding position. I believe they had won four first sets, and you know Andy Andrade had a huge lead on Luca Wiedemann in the third set. Riffis had a lead on Adam Walton in the second and third set on two singles as well. But Tennessee scrapped and clawed, and that and that core, by the way, Wiedemann and Walton, they're still there in Tennessee, and so are Riffis, Andrade, Vale. You know, there is no love lost between these two teams, and there was a big celebration from the Volunteers on the Gators' home courts after they won that match. A lot of Gator chomps from the Volunteer side, if memory serves me correctly. So, of course, Gators reveled in the fact that they drew the Volunteers in their round of 16 matchup. That was the first season Sweet 16s were being played at teams facilities Gators almost lost another big lead now they took the doubles point for the first time against Tennessee and that felt huge as matches tightened up in singles but ultimately it was Duarte Valley I believe clinching with a 10-8-7-6-10-8 in the third set breaker 7-6 in the third win at number five singles on that occasion, Walton beat Riffis in straight sets. Andrade beat Wiedemann in straight sets. I suppose those are your only two potentials for rematches. In this case, it'll probably be Vale versus Walton. Wiedemann going to take on either Goodger, Bicknell, or excuse me, either Shelton or uh, Bicknell. But I mean, look, these teams know each other as well as any, and to play three matches, four two or closer all within the same season. It's fairly similar cores to both of these teams. 
neutral site this time as well. So it's going to be a lot of, and you know, just because there aren't fans doesn't mean these teams are going to forget the matches they've played over the past few seasons. Things are going to get chippy. They're going to get really exciting. And again, these teams have matched up this season. It was a 5-2 win for Florida in Gainesville, Florida on that occasion, taking the doubles point. And that's key because, as I mentioned, that was just one of five doubles points dropped by the Volunteers on the season. It's going to be different doubles pairings for both teams across, well, not across the board, for Tennessee. Still going to be Walton and Harper at one. They got a 6-4 win Monday and Prada, who have certainly improved since that matchup in early March. They lost to Englandson and Grant 6-3, who have now moved up to the number one position for the Gators. Ben Shelton was the star of the Tennessee match. He earned a 7-6 win with Andy Andrade over Hussey and Walner, and then Shelton actually clinched, or no, he didn't clinch the match. Did he clinch the match? Let's see. Three and two. Yeah, he did clinch the match for the, no, he didn't clinch the match. Did he? Uh, two, three, and one. Two, three. Yeah, no, he did clinch the match. It was a 4-0 win. It ended up 5-2. There were a couple of three-set matches. Shelton ultimately 6-3 in the third over Wiedemann. That was, you know, those were the two shocks for the Volunteers because you'd imagine they go into that, they're thinking we get doubles, we get Wiedemann, then we got to find two more. Uh, but for the Gators, they stuck to their game plan. They got four. They got six. You know, Bicknell and Goodger getting wins over Hussey and Harper, respectfully. Then they got the bonus points in Shelton and in uh, the doubles point now. Duarte Valle ended up winning a third set against Walton, but that was a super breaker and had it been played out, who knows what happens. Monday ends up beating Riffis in a third set 6-4, but that match came after the clinch. So again, who knows what happened? And Prada beat Andrade on that match, but again, that finished after the clinch. So who knows? what happens in that match. It was a 7-6 first set. What I'm trying to say is expect tight results across the board. And as we get into our prediction, let me bring in my friends at UTR because I am fascinated by the team UTR splits in this match. You look across the board, there's only one match in which there's a greater than 0.2 disparity in the UTRs of the players at the position. That's the number five singles position now uh, where you look for, and uh, they screwed up the lineups. All right, hold on. I got to make a quick switch here because I had to refresh the tab. And as I refreshed it, it screwed up where some of these players are playing. So now I've got the official lineups for both of these teams. Here's how the UTRs break down. And this is under the assumption that Pat Harper is going to be playing six singles for Tennessee. You know, him and Walner have switched switched out a little bit, as has Rodgers into the mix. Uh, but Harper played yesterday in the semifinals. Let's assume he plays today. The only .34 difference, Bicknell, uh, oh, I forgot to switch the Florida one, excuse me, Andrade at the number three singles position over Prada. He's a .34 favorite over Prada. Again, when UTRs are greater than .3, that's when you really start to see a difference in the level of the play. The rest of them, all within 0.2. Vale, 0.16. And it's all favorites for Florida. Vale by 0.16. Riffis by 0.07. But again, that was a 1-6-6-4-6-4 win for Monday in their first affair. Bicknell, only 0.08 over Wiedemann is noticeable because, of course, Bicknell has yet to lose a match this season. In their last matchup, Wiedemann played five, played Shelton, uh, who is a 0.12 favorite over Hussey. And then Goodger, a match that certainly Flora's counting on no matter what, 0.12 by UTR, but will enter as a significant favorite over whomever plays 6-4 Tennessee. That gets us into match calculus. By the numbers, 
Tennessee is the favorite entering the doubles point, and they need to win the doubles point if they are going to win this match tomorrow. And for them, the recipe is pretty simple. I mean, they they can win all three, right? Because Harper and Walton, always the favorite entering their match. But, you know, they've gotten better and better at the two and three doubles position as the season's progressed. A reminder of their numbers at those two flights. You know, it's really been number three for them where they're about 15 and six on the year. Number one, they're about, let's see, 11 and seven, 13. We'll say they're about 14 and eight on the year. Uh, 13, no, 14 and eight. Uh, Yeah, 14 and eight on the year at that number two two positions. So one in three doubles for them, uh, certainly the recipe, and you look for the Gators, they've struggled most at that number one position, two and three, going to be toss-ups across the board. Tennessee's got to get that doubles point. I don't know if Florida absolutely needs to, because you look for them, again, Goodger, going to be a heavy favorite at that number six singles position. The last time they played, Goodger uh, got a 6-4, 6-3 win over Pat Harper, the top three are all, you know, I think for Florida, uh, I think Andrade's got to win that match against Prada tomorrow. I, You know, he's number 15 player in the country. He's lost, what, in their season. I think he's 12-6 and six overall at three singles, 14-6 and six overall. You know, you compare that to Prada, who's 10-8 and eight at the number three singles position so far this year, and 14-8 and eight overall as well. Again, on paper, it's a toss-up, but by pedigree, I think that's a match Florida's got to take, particularly because you know Tennessee's going to come out strong in doubles with a little anger, trying to get revenge after last time. If you're Florida, I would say the recipe is, you know, six singles. I think the switch in the lineup, you got to hope that Shelton can get the win at five singles. You need Andrade at three. And then, look, Riffis is a top 10 player in the country for a reason. It By this point, you know, when he first entered college, we thought he might be, if still in college, if not, you know, A, on the pro circuit, but maybe the best player in college tennis. And I think for them, that's the fail-safe tomorrow is, you know, get win, win five, win six, and then win three and have your leader, Riffis, come through at that number two singles position. Of course, again, what's the luxury for Florida is they can legitimately win all six singles flights in any given match. Tennessee's path, I mean, it's equally open. I'm expecting three sets across the board. I think for them, you know, that that match at number two, I think, is the swing match. Whoever can get the Monday Riffis match probably ends up winning this one. It's funny for Florida, I didn't mention undefeated Blaze Bicknell at number four singles. That's just a testament to how good Wiedemann's been. I think that match is just a toss-up, 20-2 and two versus undefeated. What's two losses between these guys? I know Wiedemann lost to Shelton last time they played, but it was a three-set match. Uh, or lost to Florida last time they played, but it was a three-set match against Shelton. I think for Tennessee, again, it's got to be doubles. It's probably got to be... Monday at 2, you need Walton to get the job done at 1, and then you need Wiedemann or Hussey to probably knock off one of those 4 and 5. I mean, look, maybe it's doubles in the top 3 for Tennessee. Like, that's probably the most straightforward path because to ask Wiedemann to beat an undefeated Bicknell or to ask a Giles Hussey to beat a Ben Shelton, who you look this year, Shelton, 17-3 and overall in dual matches, 15-3 and at that number 5 position, I think that's the tough part for Tennessee is that, you know, to ask any team to sweep the top three against the number one team in the country, good luck with that. Um, 
But I think what's most exciting, why is this my match of the day, is because I, I'm expecting at least four three-set singles battles. I do think for Florida at the positions where Hussey and Prada are playing, those are musts for the Gators. I think they take that number six singles position as well. And then doubles one, two, and four, all straight toss-ups. I'm going to lean Tennessee in doubles. I'm going to lean Tennessee at number one. I just think it's a primetime match for Harper. He shows up and plays his best tennis. I think Riffis knocks off Monday tomorrow, though. Outdoors. I mean, it was outdoors when they played in Gainesville. But just give me Riffis, who's gotten better and better as the season gone along. Give me the Gators to win 4-2. But again... Why is it the match of the day? Because it is going to be a spicy one down in Arkansas for the SEC Men's Tennis Championship. Of course, that is today's match of the day segment. A little bit longer than I typically go for our Crack Rackets Patreon segments, but as it was a bonus Friday podcast, I thought I'd throw in a little extra juice for all of you listeners. Of course, again, as I mentioned at the top, if you want to hear more about the professional-level action happening this week, tune into our mini-break podcast. Going to have a bonus podcast for all of you on Saturday as there are four fantastic events. We don't want to get too far behind on heading into to next week so be on the lookout for that be on the lookout for our cracked interviews podcast of course as always for the computers like rate subscribe review share with your friends if you need more immediate updates twitter instagram facebook youtube we are at cracked rackets you want to message me directly i am at great shot pod shout out as always to our super producers max fligner and daniel westoff for the of an any job they do day in day out shout out as well to our friends at turn of tennis to become a part of the turn team contact sales at unique sports.com or call 800-554-3707 and then as always a reminder to find all of our content just turn over to our website crackrackets.com but with that in mind for the super producers fligner and westoff for our friends at turn of tennis for all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. We hope you enjoyed today's bonus Friday podcast. We hope all of you consider becoming Crack Rackets Patreon members. But with that in mind, you know what we say. Hey, great shot, and we'll see you all next week. Thanks, everyone.